Welcome to Him for Her Radio, women's hot topics. Ladies, this show is for you. Find clarity, discernment, and discover who you are in Jesus Christ, all while exploring the hot topics of the day. She's an evangelist, founder, and president of Him for Her Ministries, and she's here to tell it like it is. Your host, Suge Burry. Hey friends, this is Suge Burry, and I am hanging out amongst the palm trees in sunny Florida right now. As you know, we're traveling across the country interviewing people, and it's amazing to see how God is working in the United States of America. This is a part two show, uh, and so I have got a fabulous guest with me. Please go back and listen to part one. I've got Dr. Morgan Cutlip with me today. Thank you for hanging on and doing a second show with us. Love it. Thank you for having me. We didn't quite scare you away yet. I can see that. That's good. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Now, you guys, on part one, uh, it was kind of saucy. We talked about sex quite a bit. And, you know, the topic actually was on relationships after kids. Uh, And it's really basically your marriage after kids. What does it look like? Uh, You know, what suggestions uh, she shared, which were just fabulous on how we can improve our marriages. Um, What if things are getting a little stale? Uh, There's a sexual standoff we talked about. You guys got to go back to part one. It's so good. And that's where I go into detail about our guests um, history and biography. She's amazing, but I'll give you just a little snapshot right now. Again, her name is Dr. Morgan Cutlip. She is a wife, mom of two spirited kids. Uh, She's got a PhD in psychology and an advocate for lifelong lover of things that are relationship. Now, you guys, if you go to uh, their web page or you go to her blog, it's my love thinks.com and on there you'll see all sorts of suggestions that she has on there about relationships being single being married dating uh you know here's just a a quick couple little things just to whet your appetite um 20 questions to ask your partner about their family background uh do you have a low libido there's a checklist there for you e-guide seven conversations about sex and i was just teasing a friend of mine uh, but that she actually has a breakup guide yes a breakup guide a 25 page guide with worksheets to help guide you through the breakup process now of course we're talking about being single on that in a relationship friends uh but she really emphasizes uh, working with millennials, keeping those marriages hot, keeping them together. And she is such a great guest to have on here. And we have a great topic for this second show. Again, <laughs> thank you, Dr. Morgan Cutlip. Oh, thank you. So this show is called uh, The Mother Load. And that's kind of an old semi-truck uh, term, <laughs> The Mother Load. I got the big mother load. But, you know, if you're a mother, you know, even even as a husband or a dad, you understand what these big loads are that you have to carry. Can you define that for us a little bit? Yeah, it's kind of a recent term. It's go, it goes by a number of things. The mental load, invisible labor, um, emotional labor, all of these sort of terms kind of mean the same thing. And the mental load is the running to-do list that typically moms carry around, or women more generally, carry around in their minds that they're constantly checking off sort of these things that they need to do. And the thing is about this mental load is that it takes up a lot of space and it doesn't really stop. And it... And another key factor is that it's invisible. A lot of these things that we do are invisible. Um, you know, it's sort of like this idea of 
you know, toilet paper magically shows up in the home, but like no one really discusses it or talks about who is in charge of that, but sort of we take it on. There's lots of things in our lives that, that we do that nobody's really paying attention to that magically happen. And so the mental load consists of things like researching different topics, you know, um, how clean our things are, you know, for our kids these days, is it non-toxic, you know, is it vegan, gluten-free, you know, all this researching, what's the best preschool, um, the worry work, you know, of our, of our family and our kids. Oh, I've noticed, you know, for my son's name is Roy, you know, oh, Roy seems to be having a hard time making friends. I'm, I need to talk to him about that. The sort of worry work that exists, um, the, the management of our social lives and calendars, um, holiday planning, um, the fun director, right? Like all of these things that we do is part of the mental load that that largely exists in our minds and is invisible um, in our relationships. You know, at your website, it's called My Love Thinks. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Yeah, so the original company that my dad created is called Love Thinks. And so that was always, which which is about um, love should require your head and your heart working together is really where that comes from. And so um, many years, the site was for um, instructors that we train in courses. And I said to him, maybe about six years ago now, you know, we have nothing for just the general population. Like we have stuff to share. We have things to say and advice to give. So let's create a blog. And, um, it was for just a person. So my love thinks, um, you know, just an end user, um, out there in the public looking for some, some advice from professionals. So that's where it comes from. And I love that because all about relationships, whether you're single, whether you're married, uh, yeah. all ages, doesn't matter. Uh, you guys have several books that people can access as well. Um, mm-hmm. And you've also done um, a course on this mother load. Um, yes. And where can our friends find that? Yeah, so if you just go to My Love Thinks in the blog, you can find this course there. So it's called The Mother Load, Helping Couples Unite to Tackle the Mental Load. You know, you talk about on The Mother Load that, People are always worried about gluten-free, organic. They worry, I don't know how they do that because really you got to be a label reader. And now so many people are homeschooling. Do you talk to a lot of people that homeschool as well? I homeschool. You do? <laughs> I do. I do. Yeah, I have a lot of people um, I know who homeschool as well. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of things that mom, I guess mostly it's the mom's homeschooling, right? So it's a lot of things that we carry. And there's actually, I saw research when I did a presentation on millennials, that it's something like 67 or 68% of millennial moms um, feel judged by what they feed their kids. So this food issue is actually kind of a big worry for people. It is. And I did mm-hmm. a show with Becky Danielson as well mm-hmm. on, uh, you know, moms judging moms, you know, yeah. it's, it's a tough gig. And you know, especially with COVID and with shots and today's current issues, uh, you know, there's always somebody who's got some kind of opinion. How do you deal with that? Yeah, I mean, well, I think that it's rampant. And I think, you know, not only do moms judge other moms, but I think moms are judging themselves very, very harshly. And like part of the, the reason this exists, I think, is just um, this this information overload that exists in the world. We we don't just go to our neighbor and be like, hey, what did you give your kid this? Is that OK? Instead, we go out to the Internet or we go on Instagram or we go on Facebook. Not as much, probably. But, you know, and we're looking for all of these answers and taking in all of these opinions. And when you are looking for opinions and looking for answers, you open yourself up so much more to also taking in judgment. And I think it's a really hard thing to navigate. And um so, I, so one way of handling this is you're going to have to be really intentional about what where you boundary things. 
you know, what am I going to look at? Does this feel, does this feel like it's filling me up or does this feel like it's just making me feel terrible about my decisions in motherhood? And there might be times where you have to really set boundaries with yourself about what you consume and what you don't consume. And I think that's Mm -hmm. a really important and hard lesson often to learn. I think too, you know, we have to, to really be intentional about how we view ourselves. So I, the self-judgment I see is actually a really big, a really big issue with moms, um, this kind of feeling of guilt and feeling of judgment. And so we have to take our concept, um, how we view ourselves, kind of our belief in ourselves and check it against reality. Um, I hear a lot of times when it comes to the mental load, specifically for moms, you know, I don't feel like I deserve a break. Okay, well, let's break that down. Where is that coming from? Where's that belief stemming from? Is somebody telling you this? Or is this a belief you have cultivated um, within yourself and you're holding yourself to this impossible standard that makes you feel bad about everything? And so we have to start to kind of chip away at that and restructure how we see ourselves so it's more in line with reality um, and more in line with kind of like the experience we want to have in, in motherhood. Where do you find most people are coming up with this? You know, you talk about, you know, oh, I've got it. I can't stop. I, I can't take a break. I've got to do this. There's so much to do. Where's this being fed from? Mm, I don't, I think that's a good question. I don't know if I have the answer to that. I think that it, it comes from a lot of different areas. I think, you know, one, you know, we have early experiences. I talked in the first segment, you know, about these unearthed sort of expectations. We see things, you know, how, how do we learn to be a parent? Well, we're learning to be a parent from the moment we're like, observing our parents, right? As little kids, we're learning how to become parents. And so um, we take certain things in that sort of live within us like dormant seeds. And eventually something, usually it's then you have kids, right? Sprinkle some water and sunshine and these grow into these expectations you've never explored. And so sometimes maybe we've had a mom that seemingly like did it all without ever resting. I don't know if that's accurate or, or true, but we have somehow absorbed that that's what being a good mom looks like. You know, so I think that's one piece is our early experiences. I think other there's societal sort of influences where we might see, um, you know, a, a real like cultivated um, life on a, on Instagram or social media. And this sort of starts to feed our expectations of ourselves. Um, there can be subtle our partners. There are partners who sort of cultivate that message as well. Um, this is your job. Why do you need a break type of thing, which is, ugh. I would love to sit with some of those people, but, um, you know, so there's all these sort of areas where we can kind of be absorbing these messages. I think that kind of shape that belief. Yeah, I do feel that there's a 24 seven kind of feeling with a lot of the parents today, uh, the young parents that talk about, you know, that they have to do it all, meet it all. I think social media feeds that quite a bit as well. Um, you know, I'll often spot, speak at uh, women's groups and I'm like, come on, you guys, just show up with a little spit up on your shirt. You know, let's show what life is really like as a mom because we know you haven't got much sleep and it's tired and it's difficult, but yet you come with perfect hair and makeup and your child is looking perfect as well. It's crazy. Uh, I'm sure you run into that as well. Yeah, I mean, I think there's been this sort of uptick in intensity and in parenting. I think of, of our standards for ourselves and even of our kids and even how involved we are that just didn't exist much, that long ago. And, you know, this, I don't, I spend a lot of time on social media. I don't know how much you, you do, but I'm in this niche niche of, uh, you know, relationship experts and parenting experts. And, and it's a wealth of fantastic information. However, 
there is a dark side to all of this. When you read the parenting stuff, there's this high sort of um, value on attending to all of our kids' emotional needs. And it's important, right? We know from, from psychological theories and things like that, and it's important. But it also sets our standards so stinking high. And it makes it feel like if we are not on top of all of these little things, if we word something wrong, if we say, don't cry, that's not the way we should do things, right? It's so It, it kind of ups, I think, our anxiety in motherhood and in parenting um, in a way that is kind of new, And I think this is another source of just these high standards we carry for ourselves that really end up kind of hurting us and making motherhood feel very difficult. It does. It can drive you crazy, people, in case you didn't know. Those darn kids, you know, just stand (laughs) keep praying. We need the Lord to help us and lift us up, uh, you know, through all of these challenges as well. Um, So you homeschool your kids You um, also have a business that you are uh, joined in with your father. Uh, I was on your social media, and that thing is packed. And I loved how on one of your social media feeds um, on Instagram, you were actually getting ready while you were giving advice. (laughs) You saw that. Oh, yes. It's like the only time I can do those types of videos. Yeah, it was quite humorous. You were in the bathroom putting makeup on, you know, trying to make it all work. (laughs) So um, let's get let's get real here and talk about where's the husband in all this mental load business. Mm, Yeah. So. All right. So when I approach the mental load, I have kind of two main buckets. So the first is the within. So I think that's like the individual stuff that you within to call it the within. Um, it's the individual stuff. It's the stuff that we can do as an individual person. If we have a partner who's not willing to help out or any of these things, this is something we can do on our own um, to start making changes. And this is also some of the stuff that we do that sabotages how we end up handing off some of the mental load. The second bucket is the between, and this is the relational piece. This is the stuff, the work you do as a couple to try to uh, basically renegotiate some of these responsibilities. Um, and, And I always say, when you're talking about the mental load, the goal is not for equality. The reality is, is that um, couples have different life sort of circumstances. You know, we might be talking about like my husband travels a ton. Um, he can't do the same stuff I do. We can't have an equal load, you know, or I have friends who, whose husbands deploy or are shift workers. So um, the goal is not equality. The goal is for it to feel fair. Mm-hmm. Because when things feel unfair, this is when you start to develop feelings of resentment. And so your goal as a couple is to get to a place where it feels pretty good to both people who are involved. But how do you get there? Do you sit down and say, okay, these are, you know, this is what I need help with. This is what you need help with. How do you get there? Yeah. So I think there are big, big things to do. And then there are like little things to do. So like one of the easiest things you can do to involve your partner more is to ask them to do stuff. (laughs) It sounds so dumb, but I, every time I talk about this, this topic, women are like, I shouldn't have to ask. Why, why do I have to ask? I'm not their mother. Um, they should just get involved. And so I kind of have this theory about why we have to ask. The simple answer is that we need to mentally rebrand asking as involving. Okay. If we've I'd packed, like that. Can you repeat that? That's yeah. I, I, I think you have to rebrand asking as involving. Right. Or even let's call it instructing. So I have this, this, I'll explain it pretty quickly. This, this theory that I call piling on 
precedence, okay, that we do early on in our relationships, even before kids, which is that out of the goodness of our hearts, because we love our partners, we just do stuff for them because we love them and we never speak of it. You think about um, who the classic one is who buys presents around the holidays. It's usually almost always the women. Was there a conversation about it or did at some point in our relationship, we just started doing it and then we've been doing it ever since. If you actually sat down and reflected on all the things that you've done with zero conversation before you even have kids, you're already going into having kids with a full plate. And your partner, they're not like bad or malicious. They just, as soon as you did it and took care of it, they're like, out of their heads, onto your plate, they don't think of it again. So then kids enter the picture, you have a full plate, it just got exponentially fuller overnight, and now you're like, how come you don't take initiative? And you're like, that's not quite fair because you've been taking care of all of these things without ever speaking of it, without ever making it visible, likely for years, and probably a lot of mothers, um, and this is no fault, it's just a kind of like an instinct, I believe, a lot of mothers take on all the early child rearing stuff on their own. It's called maternal gatekeeping. And so our partners are kind of on the outskirts of knowing what to do. So this is why I'm saying my long explanation. This is why you have to ask. You have to cheat to teach them to do the things that you, you kind of rescued them from doing for the majority of your relationship. And you have to involve them in the child rearing stuff because it's new to them too. And likely you've been saving them from having to do it. Mm-hmm. And each partner gets in their own pattern, uh, you know, their own spot. This is my lane. Uh, You know, when you said who buys the gifts in your family, I I was everything I could do not to laugh out loud because uh, my kids sent me a Saturday Night Live uh, spoof about. Yes, um, the mom one. It's my favorite robe. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you know, no offense to my husband who was, you know, working full time and, and, you know, trying his very best. I mean, you know, I would get these re-gifts that he would get from different companies yes. and it would have their company names on them. And so they always joked, mom, what'd you get for Christmas? <laughs> I got a robe. <laughs> <laughs> it's so sad, but it's true. And it's, that is hilarious. I've seen that one. From it it was, and I was trying yeah. not to laugh because the kids are always, that's our big spoof in the house now. What are you going to yeah. get for Christmas, mom? I'm going to get a robe. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, and that's, and that's not to disparage husbands. That's just to be the roles no. that we set up for ourselves. And, um, and I think that, you know, my husband particularly uh, knows that he was a little lacking in that area for a while. So he, he really beefs it up. Uh, you know, and that brings me to what you just heard. That's my dog in the background. I've got a real cute little pit bull. And I just texted my husband and yes. said, my dog is whining. Please come and get him. He's out and about somewhere. So yes. <laughs> it's it's so funny. Branding things. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, so. Um, in the course, the mother load that I have, I have a, a spreadsheet that actually I started for everybody that goes through all of the things that moms do. And like one whole category is pet care. Right. And, and so I think that <laughs> it saves people if they ever sit down, which I suggest they do and have this, this actual conversation with their partner is a big one where you're like, this is all that I do. Um, it gives them a head start and kind of outlining all of that and then started kind of paving the way towards that renegotiation. So, yeah. but I think, you know, you asking your husband to help with the dog, it brings something up too that I see a lot, which is I call it sort of like this continuum of willingness to help. Um, and on one side, you have this sort of actively resistant partner who's like, 
don't tell me what to do. I'm not willing to do anything for you, which is rare. I think it's, it's out there, unfortunately, but it's... Well, you should probably go to marriage counseling people if you're in Yes, if you're in that boat, you're really with a very tough partner. On the other side is the active initiator. And somewhere in the mil- middle, we have a willing participant. And we all want these initiators, um, but but... Probably we have willing participants. And so when you're asking, you are involving and instructing, but you're helping to move them up the continuum to a place where they take initiation. It's taken a while, my husband, um, but with my husband in particular, um, it's just taken some time. But there are lots of things now that I will walk into the room and he's taken care of. And it's amazing. (laughs) He saw it, he noticed it, he took care of it, but it's been, you know, multiple kind of iterations of having conversations about these things and letting um, him know what needs done. Well, I like that. The rebranding, that's going to be something that I'm going to use over and over if I can. (laughs) Uh, You're not rebranding where, um, you know, you're, you're whining or how come you can't help me with this, but you're rebranding because you're inviting him to get involved. I just, I love that philosophy and that, and that way of thinking. Um, so you, on, on your uh, webpage and in your blog, you have a variety of things that you talk about. You talk about uh, when you feel nervous to have kids because all you see plus here is the hard stuff, even if you already have kids. Can you just whet our appetite a little bit about that section? Yeah, so that's actually a post I did recently. I might pull that one up. It's funny because I, um, whenever I do posts about marriage after kids or relationships after kids, if I just point out a little bit of the hard stuff, I get this... I get like a lot of chatter on my account then. That's like, this is why I'm not having kids or or this is a lot of that really. This is why I'm not having kids or this is, I'm sick of the negativity about it, which I wasn't, I actually don't really do a lot of negative stuff on my account. No, but it people, was very positive. All your stuff's been very positive. Yeah, I, it's a, something I'm very intentional about. Um, so it's always really interesting people who react this way. And then I've heard the exact opposite, which is, I was only told that motherhood and parenthood was magic and then it was hard and I was, um, and I was kind of caught off guard and it made it much more difficult. And the reality about expectations of something is that the further your reality is from these expectations, the harder it is. And so when I share about the difficulty or the challenges after kids, one of the main things I wanted to convey to people is that it's helpful to know what's coming. It's just, you know, the way that we consume information and use information is important. And I want people to consume information that I share in such Mm -hmm. a way that it empowers them to make changes. Because Mm -hmm. if you understand what's, you know, what's ahead on the, on your roadmap, um, then you can prepare for that. Mm -hmm. Then you can talk about it and you can say, sometimes couples experience changes in their sex life. What will we do if this happens to us? Um, There are way more responsibilities after kids that come up. And a lot of times this is a source of resentment in relationships. How are we going to manage that? And if you don't know yet, because what you don't, you know, you can't anticipate all of you. You don't know. You can at least say, let's have a plan for talking about this after, and let's make it okay for us to have this conversation without either of us worrying that something's wrong with our relationship. Let's normalize the need to talk about these things. Yeah. Yeah, you've been just such a wealth of information. Thank you so much. And, you know, hats off to my hubby, who you just heard the door shut because he did skittle on over. Uh, No more whining now. But uh, friends, 
I just, I just love the honesty and the rawness of the interviews and the people that we get a chance to meet. Dr. Morgan Cutlip, I'm so thankful that you came on. And it's my love thinks. I really encourage you guys to go on and to uh, look up their page, look up the resources. They talk about singles, married. There's a book uh, that they have out as well. And uh, two, several books. And then also, uh, Dr. Morgan talked about, um, you know, some of the guides that she has and the courses that are available. And everything, you guys, is just a, a real nominal thing. If it's not free, it's, a, it's nominal. So I really encourage you to invest and put time in your relationships. Because the very first relationship we have is with Jesus Christ. And he's the one who leads us, who gives us that love that we can then share with other people. Friends, if you have been blessed by God, would you be a blessing to others and go to himforher.org and push that donate button and allow us to bring more great guests on the show. Dr. Morgan, thank you so much for coming on. You're enjoyable. Please come back again. (laughs) We're going to talk about sex, I think is what we said. (laughs) So for my friends, my name is Shugbury. You know I love you. Over and out. Hey, ladies. This is Shugbury, and I'm the host of Him for Her Radio, Women's Hot Topics. I am so glad that you have found our show amongst the millions of podcasts that are out there. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, would you please do me a favor? Like it, rate it, thumbs up. We're on YouTube as well, so don't forget to find us there. You can watch our guests also. Please subscribe so you don't miss a show. We also have started Him for Her Crazy Testimonies. And each of our guests that we have on the show shares their personal testimony, how they received Christ in their life. This is Shugbury. You know I love you. Over and out.